Christmas. Welcome to our new podcast, What You Don't Know About Christmas. My name's Neil and I've got Oliver with me. Hello. Hi Oliver. Oliver is my son and he's also the sound designer, editor, anything else? Mixing engineer. Mixing engineer. All jobs that you could do if anyone's listening. Okay, so what's it all about? Well, it's a podcast about Christmas. You might know some of the facts. It's a pretty full-on clickbaity title. Um, I'm really into Christmas, always have been, and I just like learning stuff about Christmas. Along the way, I've learned quite a few interesting things, so I thought I'd offer them up. There's lots of podcasts with history of Christmas and things like that, and where crackers come from. So I thought I'd try and pick some more obscure ones. Um, Before we get going, just a a couple of things. This is our second attempt at a podcast. Uh, We tried a Halloween one, and we did all right, didn't we? But we didn't do it quick enough, (laughs) and it's no good (laughs) publishing a podcast after Halloween when the subject is Halloween. So we've kind of shelved that for next year and we've started early for um, this new Christmas podcast. Uh, we're not, neither of us are experts. Well, all of us learning how to be a sound engineer and stuff, but none of us have done podcasting before. Um, and I'm not a expert researcher or journalist, so if there's anything that you hear that you don't think is correct, Please just get in touch, let me know. I'd be happy to correct it and happy to learn something new. Right, so for this episode, we are going to be looking at a goddess who took a huge fall and became transformed into a evil, gore-obsessed witch. That sound like a good Christmas story? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we're going to talk about Perkta. Have you ever heard of Perkta? No. Have you ever heard of Krampus? Yes. So what's Krampus? Um, like the evil Santa. The anti Santa. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that. People say that isn't right about Krampus, but basically he's a um, buddy of Santa's that is meaner to children. He doesn't just leave them cold, he chucks them in his sack. And worse things, depending on what you believe. Um, But it's also always about good or bad behaviour. Perkta's kind of the same. um, She can bring gifts or she can bring punishment. But she's got a really interesting story because she starts out, as I say, as this beautiful goddess. Mm-hmm. She's um, 
part of the Germanic pagan tradition. Um, she's sort of native to Austria, um, particularly Salzburg, right. which is um, where, can I say, will you get upset if I sing in this podcast? Probably, yeah. <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of music. Is that good? No, no auto-tune will fix that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, some of uh, the Sound of Music was filmed in Salzburg. Right. It's a very beautiful place. Um, yes. She's also about in Alpine Switzerland and Southern Germany and other parts around there. She's got lots of different names, yeah. but basically Berkta or Bertha are the main ones. Right. Um, Roughly translated, the uh, bright or shining one. Um, now, Berta was known as the White Lady, and she was associated with the white birches, you know, those silvery white trees, skinny silvery white trees. Yeah. Um, that are quite pretty. Um, and she looked after all the wildlife in the forest, so all the you know, little squirrels, chipmunks, all the ones that tidy Snow White's pad. Yeah. Those ones. She's also associated with the protection of women and children, so she's a very feminine-based god, Right. really. Um, and she's also considered the goddess of in-between places. What you, Jen... Zeds call um, luminal spaces. Uh, yeah, so you can find it in the gap between light and dark, um, safety and danger, any sort of transition space. She's a goddess of that, which is, I mean, bear in mind the light and dark bit because uh, that's an important part of her, really. Um, And Berchtentag is actually the name for Epiphany. Right. So she's already got... Those words are already associated with festivals and things. Now, because she's got a dual nature, she's also sometimes depicted as an older woman, um, an old crone called um, Spinstubenfrau, I believe. Right. <laughs> Which... I think means it has something to do with actual spinning, right? Like, so because later on you'll find that there's a lot going on with Perkta and mm -hmm. so on. Um, she's also quite often portrayed with um, a splayed foot when she's the crone. Splayed foot. You know what what I mean, like a. Kind of duck's foot. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Like a bird a foot, kind of. Um, and that's got a couple of meanings. It, it indicates in folklore that she's a shapeshifter. And it also indicates her care for animals. Um, and it's also got that association with spinning again, because you can get the splayed foot from pressing the pedal on the spinning wheel. Right. Um, 
And when she's in the crone form, her job is to enforce social norms and conventions. Now, one of those social norms in that area is attendance and taking part in festivals. It's kind of like, you know how the British queue and those rules you have when you go to the urinals that maybe yeah. women don't know, but men know, like yeah. not standing next to a bloke, leaving a gap. But if there's not a space set, you go as far away as you can, the minimum is a gap. There's loads of toilet rules, isn't there? Yeah. Social norms and conventions. There's no perk to for that, thank God, because she has got some sharp weapons and you don't want to hide her in the toilet. But that's the kind of thing. It's, it's like in Germany... Taking part in festivals is another one of those social norms that everybody feels compelled to take part in. Um, as women become, or the work that women do, become part of the economy, Bertha gets a capitalist kind of makeover, really. She has to make sure all the spinning is done by the end of the year, because 6th of January is the time for weaving. Right. Um, so, as I say, she's associated with... She's predominantly a feminine goddess. And it, and it was the women who um, worshipped her more. She was their yeah. figurehead. Um, and I found a story that illustrates it quite well. Are you ready for a story? Yeah. Okay. Can we have a moonlit meadow, I think? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not easy to do? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. You're a good sound guy. You can do it. And now I want some picture the scene. Sicily. No, <laughs> not <laughs> Sicily. <laughs> There's a little reference for some people. <laughs> picture the scene. It's a moonlit night. There's a grieving mother walking through the fields. She's just lost her little infant boy. And um, in the distance, she sees this procession of figures. There's a tall, white, glowing lady at the front, and following behind her, carrying little jugs, the children. And she notices right at the back is her little boy. And um, she watches them as they come to the edge of the field and all hop over the wall onto the next field. But this little boy is very little, he's only like three, so he mm. can't manage to get over the wall. So the mother runs to pick him up and grab him, and she's all crying with, and upset because uh, she's lost her son and he's here in her arms, and the little boy just looks up and um, says, oh, don't cry because you'll fill my jug up and it'll overflow with tears. Right. He says, I'm fine with the white lady. And the mother eventually helps him over the wall and so he can follow the white lady. And that's kind of an illustration of when people need goddesses yeah. or gods. That's, you know, child mortality, mother losing a child... It's very comforting to think there's this maternal figure that is going to help your child in the afterlife while you're still alive. Yeah. Um, so that's 
kind of how she stood for a while. And this is still Berta, or, or Berkta. But she's about to get one hell of a makeover from, can you guess? Christians? Christians, yeah! They come in the Catholic Church in the 6th century with their little crosses waving everywhere and they want all the pagan stuff gone. But the women didn't really want to give her up. And by the tw 12th century, they start a kind of smear campaign against her. They start calling her Perkta. Now, Perkton are already monsters. Right. And Perkta becomes the leader of the monsters. So she's, you know, the bad guy who's got a gang of monsters with her now. Um, and she's not the beautiful woman. She's always a very ugly old lady, witchy looking. Right. So, you know, heaping loads of misogyny on her. Yeah. Um, and she carries a very sharp knife. Or a pair of scissors I've seen as well. By 1468, the cult of Perkta is outlawed and you couldn't leave Perkton milk out anymore. Perkton milk was a meal you made. Um, traditionally, the night before Christmas, you, you would fast. Right. And you were only allowed certain things. Um, and Perkton milk was um, fish, usually herring, and uh, oatmeal porridgey mix. Right. And um, you would leave some out for Perkton. So, you know, cookies and milk. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Apart from there's more dire consequences than some to just not eating them. <laughs> right. So now we get, she becomes Frau Perkter by the 1750s and there's lots she becomes what uh, is known as a Butzenbrecht <laughs> which um, the Butzen is kind of ooh bo boogeyman boogeyman right uh, Brecht is bright so it's all again to do with the festival of lights epiphany all the brightness yeah. but this time she's the monster. Um, and she becomes an enforcer of good behaviour. Um, if children are good, she might uh, pop in and put a coin in their shoe or the bucket that they use for servants for getting the water and the milk. Yeah. So far, so good. But if you're a naughty boy, Oliver, you don't just get a lump of coal in the sack. No. You get disemboweled. <laughs> and you don't only get disemboweled. She's also kind enough to fill you back up. So she slits your stomach open with the scissors or the knife. Pulls your guts out. And I'm suddenly thinking we should have had a trigger warning on this. But trigger warning for gore. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, she pulls your guts out and stuffs you with straw and stones and other rubbish. I, think, right. I, I guess from the kitchen or something. Like, sometimes they say trash, sometimes 
it's a bit unclear what this other rubbish is, but it keeps popping up in the research I've done. Right. Um, if if you told a lie, Oliver, whew, she'd scrape out your eyes with glass. Right. If your house wasn't clean enough before Christmas started, if you hadn't finished your work by 12th night, She'd uh, slit your belly open, pull out your innards, and does she leave it there? No. She very nicely stuffs you with straw and stones and rubbish. Right. And this, like, fear of Frau Perkta created some new rituals, really. Um, in Austria, groups calling themselves Perkten. You remember what the Perkton were? Uh, no. The the monsters. Right. Um, they wear masks and people wear masks and costumes, um, to frighten the monsters away. Right. Um, and make a lot of noise to uh, wake up the um, good gods. Um, and there's still a bit of the old goddess left in there, actually. Because as well as the hideous monster Perkton, I'm going to try and say what they were called, Shaish Perkton. Right. Uh, there's also Sean Perkton, which were beautiful Perkton and brought good luck to the villages and neighbourhoods where they appeared. So, you know, we're still harking back to that goddess and the duality of it all. Um, right, so... The church tries to ban the Perkton stuff, but it just doesn't really stick and it ticks along quite nicely. And then we get to the 19th century and the folklore gets a bit of a revival because of one guy called Jacob Grimm. You ever heard of him? No. Are you serious? Actually, I think I have. The Brothers Grimm. Yeah. He's one of the brothers yeah. Grimm. Okay. <laughs> um, he wrote a book which called uh, Deutsche Mythology, I think. I think so. Uh, 1835. And um, it sort of reignited the interest in lots of folklore, including Perkta, and it gave rise to the um, Ranach Day, which is like the 12 days of Christmas. That became a time for Perkton performers and performances. Right. Um, and that takes us through to where we are today, really, where the, there are a lot of Perkton ceremonies, particularly around Salzburg. There's a big one in Salzburg. Right. And it's a big moneymaker. It's mainly for the tourists. People wear really ornate, carved, scary-looking masks. Go online and have a look at them, because they are, like amazing masks um and that's where Perkta ends up so thanks to the christians <laughs> there's, a, there's a goddess that was the goddess of protection and looked after women and the church transmogrifies her into a horrible old crone who wants to take out your innards no comments needed there. And that 
Might be something you didn't know about Perkta. <laughs> no, not at all. So it just remains for me to say thank you, Oliver, for all your soundy-woundy stuff. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been What You Don't Know About Christmas. Sources are in the show notes. Have a good Christmas, everyone. Bye. Bye.